Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. Welcome, and thank you again for joining us for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. I am Jim Morrow, and I am with Morrow Family Medicine, a member of Village Medical. Uh, We have offices in Cumming and Milton, Georgia. We're a primary care practice, and we are bringing care back to health care, as we like to say. Uh, If this is your first time joining us, I really do appreciate that very much, and I would encourage you to look back at our other 53 episodes and see if it might be something you could uh, learn something from, might enjoy a little bit, and tell a friend about. If you are new, I would encourage you to hit the subscribe button on whichever app you might be listening to the podcast on. And uh, we just appreciate your time very much. We try to keep these to about 30 minutes, so it's something that you can can do fairly easily. And certainly in traffic around here, you can do that on the way to the grocery store. So I'm here in my office studio that I'm very happy with now. I've got it decked out kind of the way I want it. My microphone works. That's a nice change from previous weeks. And my magnificent producer, John Ray, with Business Radio X North Fulton, is in his home studio, which looks a little bit like somebody ransacked it last night. (laughs) John, how are you? I'm great. Uh, it, It may look like my heart scan. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Wouldn't doubt that at all. Yeah. Looks yeah. like you got some blockages in your bookcase. Back there, I think. <laughs> so uh, as John mentions, today we're talking about heart disease, uh, the question of do I have heart disease? And it's a question that I get asked every day in some different way, a multitude of different ways. And I think it's a very important thing to talk about. It's a little bit frustrating because we don't have easy ways to get people to a cardiologist just to see if you have a problem. Uh, And I think that's one of the shortcomings in medicine today. Uh, If you are female, I want to send you over 40. I'm going to send you for a mammogram because I want to see if you have a problem. Not because I think you do, but I want to be sure you don't. And I'm going to do a pap smear to be sure you don't have cervical issues. I'm going to do a a PSA to be sure you don't have prostate cancer. If you're a guy, I'm going to send you for colonoscopy at age 50 or um, hopefully soon sooner um, to be sure you don't have colon polyps that could become a problem. So we're screening you for problems, but we don't have screening guidelines for heart disease. And it is honestly mind-blowing to me. So I want to talk a little bit about what you need to do and how you need to go about doing it to find out if in fact you might have a problem. So heart disease is a huge killer in this country. I believe it's still number one men older than 45 and women older than 55 are the ones that are at a greater risk and increasing risk as they get older for heart disease. The rates of heart attack over the last 20 years have been increasing for even younger women So that's becoming a problem as well. So those are the ages where you need to be concerned. If you're 45 uh, as a man or 55 or older as a woman, then you need to be thinking about might you have heart disease. Now, if you have a family history, which is true with so many things, if you have a family history, it's important for you to know what sort of specific diseases and conditions run in your family and tell your doctor about it. So talk to your parents, your grandparents, siblings, aunts, uncles, you don't need to go farther back than that, but, but ask your family about problems that they might have and tell your doctor about those. 
you want to be specific about who's had what, and you also want to know if those people might have been a smoker or not and so forth. And you take this information as a physician and you can put together a plan for trying to figure out how to best take care of a patient. And then there's cholesterol. You have to be worried about cholesterol if you're thinking about heart disease. And we've talked about that in previous podcasts. But if you don't know your cholesterol level, you need to know it. You know, there's good cholesterol, there's bad cholesterol, HDL, LDL. And in the old days, if uh, somebody had a cholesterol panel, a lipid panel done, I could tell you with a simple arithmetic whether or not you were going to need to take medication. And now, luckily, there's an app for that because it takes into consideration your uh, sex, your race, uh, whether or not you're on blood pressure meds, are you diabetic, and what's your blood pressure, and what specific use of cholesterol and good cholesterol and so forth. So there is, luckily, an app for that because it'd be very difficult to do without that. So now we're we're trying to take more things into consideration other than just total cholesterol when we're trying to figure out whether or not somebody needs to be treating or something or might they be at a high risk for heart disease. Blood pressure. <clears throat> if your blood pressure is high, you need to do something to lower it. Now, if you're drinking too much alcohol, you stop drinking so much alcohol, and that helps lower it. Uh, alcohol is, of the things we identify that cause high blood pressure, alcohol is the number one thing in America, so think about that. Salt, uh, we talk a lot about salt causing blood pressure trouble, but it probably doesn't cause as much as we'd like to think it does, but certainly some. Not exercising enough, not being at a good weight, which just makes me chuckle because I was telling Peggy the other night that I had a lady in the office and I was trying to explain to her that she was too heavy and it wasn't going well. And so finally I just said, you weigh too much. And she said, well, you're fat. <laughs> I said, I am, but I'm not at the doctor. And so if you weigh too much, try not to. That's important. Of course, if you're prescribed medication for your blood pressure, take it because blood pressure is one of these many, many things that plays into whether or not you're going to have heart disease. That's why we're talking about that. Smoking, hopefully it goes without saying that smoking is one of the most important things you can change if you want to decrease your risk of heart disease. I mean, the link is uncontrovertible. It's just, just huge. So you want to be stopping if you're a smoker. Uh, a lot of people stop smoking and gain 20 pounds. I don't care. I'd much rather you be 30 pounds heavier than you are now and not smoking than being lighter and smoking. Much rather. If you live with a smoker, breathing their smoke can affect your health. I don't know that it'll cause heart disease. I'm not totally convinced about any of that because I rode around in a car with all four windows up with both parents smoking my entire young life and so far okay. Your diet plays into all these things. Your diet should be a healthy diet. Uh, I'm not going to get into all the details about a healthy diet or we'd be here all afternoon. Um, and besides, you're fat, so I guess I don't need to do that. <laughs> but, you know, eat a decent diet. Don't abuse things in your diet. You know, moderation for crying out loud. I mentioned alcohol, and one thing I should tell you is that there are, there's research that suggests that alcohol can protect against heart disease, and again, moderation is the key. Some alcohol, not all of the alcohol, is what you should drink. So it's about a drink a day for a woman, 
two drinks a day for a man. A drink is a shot of alcohol, shot of liquor, a can of beer, or a four to five ounce pour glass of wine. Not some of those you see at home other places, but a true restaurant type pour of a glass of wine. Each of those is one. So if you're a woman and you can have one of those a day, if you're a man, you can have two of those a day. Um, and I guess that's because men are typically bigger than women, but I'm not sure about that. It sounds kind of sexist to me, but I don't know that that's a huge problem. And then get some exercise. I mean, for crying out loud, get out there and move. You know, get out and work in the yard, go for a walk, take the dog for a walk, play tennis, play pickleball. We need to do an episode on pickleball, John. Apparently pickleball is a lot of fun. And I understand with three artificial joints, you can play pickleball. So I'm going to give it a shot. I like the sound of that. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. So I mentioned at the beginning that I am with Mara Family Medicine, a member of Village Medical. And we're very excited at Mara Family Medicine to be becoming a part of Village Medical. I made the choice to align with this national organization a few years ago. When I realized that I wanted to spend more time taking care of my patients and leave the financials of technology operations and stuff to a company that does those things really well. So I've been working with them in an affiliated fashion for a while. And uh, as of January 1st, 2021, um, they now own the practice and they're dealing with all the things that kept me up at night and I'm seeing patients and it's wonderful. And over the next few months, our offices will have village medical signs. Our people will wear village medical scrubs, but I want people to rest assured you'll get the same great care that you did when we were called Mara family medicine. We are the same people, the same people in the office here are essentially running things on a day-to-day basis Um, one of the reasons though I I signed up with village medical was that their leaders share my values of putting patients first. I've been lucky enough over the years to meet the, the owner and owners and the founders of village medical. And, uh, we sync up our philosophies very nicely. Um, we're making sure that we're available to the community and we're supportive of the community in every way that we can. So I'm looking forward to being a part of this rapidly growing national group. So when a patient comes into the office and has a physical, we'll do an EKG while they're laying there still on the table. And I was explaining to someone this morning that that resting EKG in the absence of any symptoms at the time of the EKG tells me that you've never had a heart attack, that you're not currently having a heart attack, And that your heart size is good, your rhythm's good, your heart rate's good. And that's about what it tells you. So if you want to know whether or not you have a problem, and I think everybody should know whether or not they have a problem, when you get to a certain age, especially, you have to go look. And we have all these guidelines for checking out your, your breasts and your prostate and your cervix and all these things but nothing for hearts. And so I think it's incumbent upon the patient and the physician to put together a plan for figuring this out. And one of the things that's becoming an increasingly um, popular part of that is coronary artery, I never can say this, coronary artery calcium scoring. 
a CAC, a CAC score. Okay. It measures the amount of calcium that's in the arteries to your heart, the arteries that feed your heart, the ones that get blocked up and cause you to have a heart attack. So why would you get a test like this? Well, the calcium that the scan is looking for is part of what's called plaque. And that's not the plaque you get on your teeth. It's very different. Uh, It's the plaque that's in your arteries. And it might be within the artery itself, or it might be in the wall of the artery. If you look at an artery in cross-section, it's not just a simple piece of tissue. It's multiple layers that make up that tissue. And within those layers, you can get calcium. And also down in the artery itself, you can get calcium. Now, the plaque is made up partly of fat and calcium. And it's just basically not good for your heart. It's a waxy substance at first, and then it builds up usually fairly slowly. But over time, it can harden, and this is called calcified plaque. So it's a problem for two reasons. First, hard plaque in your arteries is like a clog in a pipe. If you've got and, – and, and the arteries in your system and your entire body, this is just plumbing, okay? It's nothing more than that. And if you've got a piece of plaque in the artery, then the size of that artery goes from – X to half X and you've got a 50% blockage and it's not hard to get a little bit more. And now you're at 90% and so forth. So it doesn't take a lot to block off one of these arteries. Some of these arteries are no more than about three millimeters, less than an eighth of an inch, about three millimeters in diameter. Some are larger, um, but the small ones are incredibly easy to block off. So you have to be very, very careful about that. And the plaque collects in the arteries And it also can collect in the wall of the artery. So you can get it in both places. And if the plaque breaks open, if it ruptures, then it can go from a small blockage to a huge blockage immediately. And probably everyone knows someone who has died of a sudden death, a cardiac sudden death. And when that happens, it's because a blockage in an artery went from being a 50 percenter that no one would know about to rupturing, which means the fat in that plaque ruptured and came out much like popping a pimple. And it's in that artery, which is a confined space and it blocks off that artery completely. And whatever heart tissue is being fed by that artery dies. And that's the definition of a heart attack means heart tissue died. And so if that covers a large part of the heart, the heart's going to stop beating and you're dead period, just that fast. So the coronary calcium scan tells you how much calcified plaque is in the arteries to your heart. So you have the scan done and you get a result and then you and your doctor talk about what, if anything, you need to do about that. Now, when do you get a scan? Uh, This is not, and this is important, this is not for everybody. When you have the scan, you're exposed to radiation. It's not a huge amount of radiation, but it is radiation. And the thing about radiation is that all the radiation you ever get from any source adds up over time. So it is important to understand that. But you want to get this scan only if it can tell you something useful. I tell people all the time, what are you going to do with the result of that test? Or I ask them that. And if you don't have a good answer, don't do the test. So if, if you have a plan for what you're going to do with the information or how it might alter your course medically, then it might not be a bad idea to get the scan. But first, you need to know, you need to know how likely you are to get heart disease. 
And that goes back to the app that I was talking about where you have cholesterol, blood pressure, risk factors, and you can figure out what your risk for heart disease is over time. You know, these things are, are not hard to figure out. They throw your gender in, whether or not you smoke, and they can give you a percentage risk of heart disease over the next, say, 10 years. Heart scans make the most sense if you have a moderate or medium, let's say, chance of heart disease based on all these things. If you have a low chance, there really isn't any need to do the test because it's very unlikely to show any calcium. If you have a high chance of heart disease, then you already know that you're at risk and you know that you need to be very careful about cholesterol. And you might even know that you need to go see a cardiologist and have a stress test, one of the functional tests and that kind of thing. So it's, it's important to stratify, stratify your risk so that you can know whether or not this test is a good idea for you. Now, insurance doesn't usually cover this kind of scan. Uh, I mentioned all these guidelines for other things we check and not having a guideline for coronary disease. And the insurance companies use these guidelines as a reason to pay for the visit, or in this case, the lack of a guideline for an, as an excuse not to pay for the test or the visit or whatever it might be that you're doing. But the good news is these tests are about a, a hundred to four hundred dollars, depending on where you go. Uh, we are near Northside Hospital for Scythe, and at our hospital here, the test is about one hundred and fifty dollars. If you're looking for peace of mind, that's pretty cheap peace of mind. So I think it's a reasonable idea to go have a scan if you fall into this category. So you go, you get the scan, your doctor gets the results. Now at, at Mar Family Medicine, we're not going to make you wait two weeks and come back to get the results of the test. I never have understood that. We're going to call you right away and tell you what your results are. And if you get the results and you get a low score, then it means you probably don't have a problem. So often, People go for this test and their score is a zero. And that's very, very good. Obviously, zero is a great score in this case. It wasn't a great score in calculus when I was at Clemson, but it's a good thing here. And the but the higher the number, the more important it is for you and your doctor to come up with a plan. Okay. The higher it is, the more likely it is that you have blockage of some type in an artery. Now, again, it might be a 50%er that almost everybody my age has, or it might be something significant, very significant. And so you have to, you have to follow through with this. If you get a score of zero, <clears throat> then you can only hope that years later, your score is going to remain close to that or the same. But I can promise you that if you have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, don't watch your diet, exercise, and blood pressure, your score is not going to stay the same. So you can't, in this situation where you get a low score, you can't take that as carte blanche to go and just have KFC every day and never do anything because you're very likely to end up with a different score or a problem you didn't anticipate years down the road. If you get a high score, the high score doesn't mean you're sure to have a heart attack, but it does mean you need to do some more investigating to find out what exactly is going on. And if your cholesterol is not at an optimum level, which if you have a high score, it almost certainly is not, then you need to do whatever you've got to do to get that down. And I'll tell you right now, you're not going to supplement this down. You're not going to diet this down because if you could, you already would have. So you're going to need to take medications. 
and I refer you back to the podcast on statins. And I'll tell you what I tell everybody, which is you don't have to take cholesterol medicine. You can wait and take heart attack medicine, but it's the same medicine. So why not take the cholesterol medicine and avoid the whole thing? Just avoid the whole problem. So there are three main things that I'd like you to take away from that. One is if you're in the intermediate risk category, if the decision about cholesterol medicine still remains uncertain, it is reasonable to use the calcium score in the decision to withhold or postpone or even to initiate therapy. The emphasis on power of zero is an important thing, using testing like this to identify low-risk patients as opposed to risk enhancers and screening tools that might be used to help identify higher-risk patients. This kind of testing is now mostly used for identifying lower-risk patients so that you can identify someone who might not need to take medication. And, and not everybody benefits from this kind of testing. Okay, not, not at all. And so you have to be careful with that. But I encourage anyone who is interested in their heart and whether or not they have heart disease to talk to their doctor about one of these. And if you do have a, a high result, then you have to do what it takes to be careful over time that you don't move forward and develop a problem. And for most people, a high score means that you're going to need to take statins for your cholesterol and you're going to need to see a cardiologist so you can have a functional test done because having this high score means you have some calcium. It doesn't directly tell you anything about blockages. So you're going to need a stress test where you get on the treadmill, you get your heart rate up to 140 beats a minute, and you can tell then the EKG then does you some good because you're stressing your heart. You're making it require more oxygen. If it can get all the oxygen it needs, your EKG stays normal. If you've got a 90% blockage in an artery and it can't get some part of your heart, can't get all the oxygen it needs, then your EKG immediately becomes abnormal. They see that and they say, we need to chase this down and do the next test and so forth and so on. So it's, it's very important to to understand that. Now, the score itself can be anything from zero to, uh, I suspect, infinity is a limit. I've never seen a limit on it. I've seen some pretty high scores because I practice in the South, so what do you expect from that? But a score zero means there's no calcium, and that's obviously very, very good, as I mentioned. If your score is between 100 and 300, that means you have moderate plaque deposits, and that number is associated with a relatively high risk of heart attack or heart disease over the next three to five years. A score greater than 300 is a sign of very high to severe disease or heart attack risk. So your number is very important. And I, I think it's a test that anybody should consider doing. I think that's very important. Now, those are all the things about what the test can tell you. Here's what the test doesn't tell you, and, and this is why it's taken me some time to really get on board with coronary calcium scoring, and I do them now. I do a lot more now than I used to, but you have to be careful because there is such a thing as soft plaque. So if you take an x-ray and aim it 
at a piece of calcium in an artery, the the X-ray beam bounces off and gives you a score. Call it a hundred. You might have calcium just in the wall of the artery and absolutely no blockage. You might have calcium within the artery causing some degree of blockage. And you can't tell which is which. So again, if you get that kind of score, you go see cardiology, you have a stress test. It's totally normal. They say, don't worry about it. You're fine. Or they say, ooh, looks like you might have a problem and you proceed. But if you end up with a score of zero, you could have what's called soft plaque. You aim an x-ray beam at soft plaque, it goes straight through it, you get a score of zero. That soft plaque might block up a huge percentage of the artery. If it does, your score is zero, but if you get that score and you have further concerns or you have any symptoms whatsoever, you go get tested. You have to go get tested because that soft plaque can be a, I mean, it can be 90, 95%, 100% blockage, but it doesn't have calcium in it yet. And so it does not show up on this kind of scan. So that's the caveat to this. It's not enough to tell you not to do it because if you do get a positive number, a high number, then you have learned something and you can make arrangements to protect yourself. But if you get a low number, maybe you're okay, probably are, but you don't ignore symptoms. You don't ignore anything. And if you don't get the peace of mind you need from that scan, you go forward and do the next level of testing, which is typically a stress test, to get the peace of mind that you need. And, John, I think that's basically what I got on calcium scoring. So that that's really helpful. I, I guess a couple of questions that uh, we've got here. So you said, I mean, a lot of people are motivated by insurance, whether insurance covers it. Um, you know, it seems it seems like people don't do things that are good for them just because of their, whether insurance covers it or not. But, um, you, you recommend it, that it's a, it's a, it's a good investment. Yes. Uh, regardless you want to do regardless of insurance and insurance is not going to cover it. Yeah. But you want to do this test. This test is worth doing. Yeah. Uh, it, it really is. And like I said, I've kind of come 180 degrees on this test since it first came out. Um, because I do think the value of an elevated score and knowing that information is more important than worrying about the zero score and the soft plaque. So I, I think people need this test. I really do not. I'll tell you too, I have started sending people f- to get tested, stress test, whatever they might do at a cardiologist at about age 60. Um, and there are three reasons that insurance will cover patients going to see a cardiologist to get testing done. One reason is because they're having symptoms and that's pretty much a no brainer. You're having chest pain. You need to get it checked out. You're over 50. You could have a problem. You're having chest pain. Go get a stress test. See a cardiologist. Or you come for our physical. We lay on the table, do the resting EKG. If that resting EKG is abnormal, then insurance will cover going to cardiologist to find out why that EKG is abnormal. And that would typically include the same thing. I mean, most people that go to car, it's hard to go see a cardiologist and get out without having a stress test. I mean, it's, it's how they get information at the most elementary level is a typical stress test. And then the third reason that insurance will pay for you to go 
see a cardiologist is going because you're going to embark on an exercise program that's above and beyond anything you've ever done. So you make the decision to exercise and you call the cardiologist office and you say, I told Dr. Mar I'm going to start exercising. He said to come get checked out. Ah, okay. And you, and they cover it. There you go. Of course, if you have a high calcium score, they'll cover that too. So did you say that you, you offer the calcium scan in your office? No, no. It's a great big cat scanner. Oh, okay. Uh, gotcha. We don't have room nor capital for that. Gotcha. Uh, but Northside, every hospital does them now. Okay. Uh, Northside Precise does them. And they get $150 for the test, which is not really bad. I mean, it's, it's, it's a decent amount of money, but it's a good investment, as you put it. Um, people are interesting though. You know, you send somebody for a test like that and it comes back zero and they get mad (laughs) 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 because they spent the money on the test and they didn't find anything going, really, you're mad that you're not going to have a heart attack. I'm not sure I understand you. So is this a test you have to repeat? Well, it depends. If you do a calcium score and the score is zero and Uh, So you're not taking medication for cholesterol or anything like that. If over the next five, seven, eight years, um, you have not done a decent job of taking care of your blood pressure, cholesterol, that kind of thing, then you certainly could develop heart disease and it'd be worth your while at some point down the road to do the scan again. But interestingly, if you do the scan and you get a 300 score, and you just started on Crestor for your cholesterol, and you're taking it every day, and your cholesterol is way down. It's very well controlled. And you're wanting to know later if you have more blockage at all. If you do the scan again after taking statins, your number will go up. Really? Because the statins work, and they do a lot of things. One of the things is they control your cholesterol level, but also they stabilize plaque. And when the plaque becomes, quote, stabilized, it gets denser. And when it's denser, the x-ray can't get through it as well, and you get a higher number. Mm. So if you get a scan, you start taking medicine, you don't repeat the scan. Because if you do, you'll just, it'll blow your mind. You'll be paranoid out the wazoo. It would be terrible. Mm. So, no, you don't do it again if you're taking medication. That's good info. I appreciate you asking that. That's a that's a really good point because a lot of people will ask me, well, I had a scan five years ago. I should I have another scan? No. Gotcha. Just take your medicine. Gotcha. Um, okay, now I have to ask, since you brought it up, that lady that you were talking about, yeah. Is she still a patient? Or is she? she is. <laughs> really? Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I, can't, I couldn't fire her for being right. <laughs> she was really testing your bedside manner, wasn't she? Yeah. 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 But she was right. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. You know, uh you we're going to have to do a show where you just tell stories like that. I mean, cuz you, you man, you've got stories. Well, right? Since the FCC doesn't regulate this, we could probably tell a lot of them. We could tell a lot of them, right? And and we we, we don't use anybody's name, so we're not going to violate HIPAA or anything. So, right? So, I can't use names. Well, I mean, it's up to you. I mean, you're the one to be subject to the HIPAA violation, not me. But <laughs> but uh, uh, no, I mean that would be. I think that would be a 
pretty good show. I think people it, will enjoy it, well, that. I have to start writing them down as I think about them and make a list and see about doing that. Yeah. It's really not a terrible idea. <laughs> I think that's what we've got for today. All right. Everybody, I do appreciate you listening. Subscribe if you haven't. And for now, that is to your health. <laughs>